Uh, I want to turn to 2 Timothy and get right into it. 2 Timothy chapter 1, verse 6 and 7. Therefore, I remind you to stir up the gift of God which is in you. For God has not given you a spirit of fear, but of power, of love, and a sound mind. Now, this is my key verse today, and I'm going to come back to it. And the title of my message this morning is, Who Doesn't Love a Present? Who doesn't love a present? Everybody loves a present, right? But I'm going to pray first. Thank you, God. Thank you, God, so much that you know that I didn't speak to anyone today about what I was going to speak about that was running this service or doing this service, God, yet you have brought things together and I just really believe, God, that you have something that you want to say to us. And I thank you that all things are working just so well together. We just pray that your Holy Spirit comes upon this place and that you speak through me. In your name, Jesus. Amen. 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 I'm just really excited because Janelle doesn't know that my whole message is about the parable of the talents. And you couldn't even, like, I didn't talk to her, she doesn't know, I didn't know, and as I heard her speak, I thought, I actually really felt like God wants to plough some ground. And I felt like, in a sense, that God is just breaking things up. He's ploughing ground, he's doing something with us and with our hearts. And so I'm really excited about it, and um, so I want to get into it. It's been an exciting week. And uh, who went to the Reset series on Thursday night? Now, I watched online and I was just so encouraged. I just love hearing stories and testimonies. And Grant Mullen and Warren uh, Morse, there he is, uh, they both told their testimonies of how they first had a connection with God. And it was incredible. I just love to hear that first heart connection. There's something so incredibly special about it. And it's on for the next few weeks, so if you can come and be a part of it, we would love that, because I really feel like God's taking us on that journey. And it's about our purpose and our call, and hopefully I can just build on that today. So, if you have your phones or Bibles, if you'd like to turn to Matthew 25, it's the parable of the talents. And uh, we know we've heard this story a thousand times. I'm sure that you have. You've heard it in kids' church, and we've heard it. Um, being preached and I actually isn't it isn't my favorite thing to preach on if I could have preached on something else I probably would have picked it but I just kept coming back to this uh, so I will start and I'm reading it out of the message bible because sometimes that's easier to understand in present day uh, right so it's a story about investment it's like a man going off on an extended trip He calls his servants together and delegated responsibilities and to one he gave $5,000 and to another $2,000 and to a third $1,000, depending on their abilities. And then he left. Right off, the first servant went to work and doubled his master's investment and the second did the same. But the man with a single thousand dug a hole and carefully buried his master's money. After a long absence, the master of the three servants came back and settled up with them. One given $5,000 showed him how he had doubled his investment and his master commanded him, commended him, sorry, good work, you did, a good, your, you did your job well. From now on you be my partner. And the servant with 2000 showed how he had also doubled his master's investment. His master com- commended him, good work, you did your job well. From now on be my partner. And the servant given 1000 said, Master, I know you have high standards and hate careless ways and that you demand the best and make no allowances for error. 
I was afraid I might disappoint you, so I found a good hiding place and I secured your money and here it is safe and sound down to the last cent. Right, like I said, I'm sure you've heard that story before and we get the point that the last servant was given money and he hid it and his master was upset and, uh, because he didn't do anything with what he had. But before we go into that, I just want to back up a bit and look at the first two servants um, because I really believe this parable is for us. It's not just a story about God getting upset with someone. Um, Every part of these parables tells us a little bit more about who we are called to be and who God is. And it's just great to look deeper because it, it just explains who we are and where we're going. So what's a parable? I just thought I'd start with that because sometimes we don't really understand what a parable is. Uh, and I'll try to read this out because I'm, I'm not that clever. <laughs> I had to look it up. <laughs> it's a succinct didactic story in a prose or verse that illustrates one or more instructive lessons or principles using humans as the characters. So let's get the point and the principle of what, of what this parable is about and what Jesus is trying to explain to the people. In this story, God is the master very obvious, and we're the servants. Uh, We're entrusted with something valuable um, that God's given us that we're meant to grow. And since we know that God isn't talking about an actual sum of money, even though that would be really nice, we can look deeper, and if we look deeper, we can understand that maybe he's talking about something supernatural. And for some of you, that might be a bit of a scary thought. He's telling us that he's placed within you a piece of his supernatural within you. That's actually really hard to comprehend sometimes. And it's a gift. And like my title states, it's who doesn't love a present? I remember one of the greatest moments of my life as a child. My parents would probably remember this. They're up the back there. That... Um, one Christmas, we got, came out and um, my, we have, I have two other sisters and I think my younger sister must have been too small because when we came out, there was two chairs that were absolutely piled high with presents because my grandmother had come from England. And the way, this is the way I remember it. This may not be the actual truth. <laughs> you always see things differently. I was about three or four. And I just... Oh my goodness, there was presents all piled up and I can remember my dad saying, that one's for you and that one's for Tammy and I was like, oh my goodness, it was like the best thing ever and I have no idea how that relates to this and it doesn't but I'm just saying that, you know, you all have that innate thing where you love a present. So my first, I want to read out another verse, 1 Corinthians 14 verse 1, go after a life of love as as if your life depended on it because it does. Give yourself to the gifts God gives you, most of all, proclaim his truth. So my first point today is everyone has a gift. Everyone. Everyone has been given a gift. And the Bible talks specifically about certain gifts, and I'm not going to explain every single one today, but I encourage you to read up on what those gifts are. Um, God wasn't just content with sending us out. He promised that if we step out, he will meet us there and he'll add to it. It's given to you. In fact, it's meant to be one of your greatest adventures in life. And to grow and to expand this gift is an adventure. It makes you look amazing, but it's actually given to you for the benefit of others. And recognise that you have a gift, but it is for you, but it also, incredibly, like God does his thing, it's for others. 
Now, in the parable, the first two servants, they understood what they were being given. In fact, I'd go to say that even the third servant understood what he was being given. They were being given an opportunity. They were being given responsibility. They were being given trust. And the master thought so highly of them that he had no doubts that they would do well or he wouldn't have left them with something that was so valued. Now, we understand that this is a parable because he was making a connection in this story, Jesus was, with normal everyday values, that money in this world is seen incredibly valuable. So he's placed money at the, the point of where everybody knows that that is like one of the most valuable things that you can give and entrust someone with. Uh, and there's very few people that would entrust, you'd entrust your cash to. You know, because people want to control. That's our innate thing. We want to control our own stuff. Um, they didn't question that the master wouldn't return. That's another point I want to make. They didn't question once. They just took what he had and they worked towards just the time when he was coming back. They were taking responsibility with what they had been given according to their ability. Their ability. Now, God is a good, good God. And I want to say that generally ability is connected to something that you enjoy doing. That God has created us all to have the ability to do different things. So none of us are the same. And Craig Rochelle, he's a pastor in America, he says that God doesn't call the prepared, God prepares the called. That you just can come as you are. If you just bring your ability, what you think you've got, you just bring it and he prepares you. Also, because God's such a creative God, you know, he generally dreams are connected to passion which is intertwined with ability. So it's something that you really enjoy doing. He wants you to enjoy it. He wants you to be able to do it naturally. And the very thing that God's called you to do is generally something that's close to your heart. And as you bring your ability, God pours out his gift and you watch it expand and multiply. And I believe absolutely that God is bringing this church into a season of preparation. An absolute season of preparation. And I felt God say to me this morning in worship that, you know, it's, it's not, a foundation isn't built um, just by putting one stone down. It's by putting an, one stone down every day and then another stone and then another stone and then another stone and then another stone. It's built over time. It's built over time and it's, it's something that doesn't take one day, it takes preparation, it takes thought. Yeah. When I was a kid, my sister Tammy and I, I don't know why I'm remembering things about my sister Tammy and not Sally, I love Sally, <laughs> but there's a, lot of, there's a bit of an age gap there and um, we went through this stage of playing this game and it was a treasure hunt and we used to write little clues and my sister, she would mainly write them because she was four years older than me and she'd leave them somewhere and then I'd find them and then I'd have to guess where the next one was and, um, and then I'd, there'd be a little treasure there and then we'd get to the end of the treasure hunt and there'd be about 20 places to go and find and, and then at the end there'd be this prize and uh, it was just so exciting and it, honestly it can feel a bit like that when you're trying to find your gift based on your ability. It's like a journey of discovery with exciting twists and turns. And honestly, not many of you know this, but I was absolutely petrified of getting up and doing public speaking. And if you'd have asked me when I was younger whether I would be doing this, I would have absolutely told you, no way, not a chance, not a chance. I get too nervous, I can't even talk, my mouth will clams up and, you know, people, not, not going to happen. But the incredible thing is, is that God takes you on a journey even if you have just a little bit to give and then he adds to it and he gets you through it. 
and it's never ever too late to start. As far as I know, the master hasn't returned. So if you haven't found your gift, it's still waiting there. So point two that I want to make is that it's our choice. It's our choice to build and grow. It's our choice. Now, I've got two boys and one of them is really gifted at wakeboarding. Like it just comes naturally and he's always just got on there and he's just got that natural ability to do tricks and he hasn't really had to practice. And I've got another one that he's had to really try. He's got a natural ability but then it only took him so far and because it only took him so far he realised this and he spent all last summer practising. Every time he could go out he practised. Every time there was an opportunity he practised. And and the thing is is that the one that, that had the ability naturally didn't really want to practice, there became a time where the one that practiced got to the level of the one that just had the natural ability. And I'm going to be watching this year because I know in the summer when it comes that the one that's practicing, he's going to go ahead because he's doing what he needs to do to build a better foundation. What you're experiencing today is not directly linked to what you invested today. It's what you invested last week. It's what you did the week before. Everything is mostly related to what you did yesterday. I didn't just bring this today. I spent all last week preparing. Kingdom thinking means you're building now for tomorrow and it's not always for yourself. That others reap the benefits, the decisions that I make today. And if you can't steward what God's already given you, then you can't expect that if you pause favour on you that you'll be able to hold it or manage it properly. And that's one of the things that I've really had to learn is that if you don't have a good foundation, God can pour favour but you can not manage it properly and then you can just devastate it. Chris Fallerton, another really good preacher, says what we're reaping right now is what we sowed yesterday. And the first two servants, they chose to take the talents that they were given along with the natural ability they had and they expanded what they had. They invested building that foundation and setting it up to see where it goes. I just want to say, stop waiting for someone to rescue you. It's no, one, it's no one's responsibility but yours. We have access to so much than when, like, we were all younger, I'm sure. That, you know, there's the internet, there's podcasts, there's preachers that you can go online and see, there's YouTube. There is so many things that can help you build your foundation that you do not need someone right there sitting across you having a coffee trying to grow you. Like, you can take that opportunity and do that yourself and spend time with God and allow him to build that thing within you. It's our responsibility. We don't have an excuse. And that's really hard sometimes because I can think of many excuses to have. I'm really good at procrastinating. (laughs) And I want to just say that God doesn't always give you a supernatural answer to prayer. He gives you supernatural grace to do the hard work to get your answer. And God won't take the work away that you need to do to bring about maturity. He will equip you to survive it. And that's the foundation. That's the very key to lasting It's our job to follow and it's not always our job to understand. Some of us are stuck on the why rather than just building in the season. And that brings me back to 2 Timothy 1, verse 6 to 7. Therefore I remind you to stir up the gift of God which is in you. For God has not given you a spirit of fear but of power, of love and a sound mind. Stir it up infers that it's in us and if we do nothing then nothing will happen. 
if, yeah. except that if we'll bury it. And then it will stay within us, unused, unmature, ungrown, sorry, immature, unmature, <laughs> underdeveloped. <laughs> It'll just stay there, stagnant. And he's asking us to do something and reminding us that we're not to live in fear, which tells us that we will be faced with situations that may make us feel overwhelmed with fear. And who's been in a situation like that? We all have. And he says that he's given us his power, his strength, his ability to have courage, ability to overcome. And that power says that despite what the situation looks like in reality, his truth has the final say. And I just want to read out 1 Corinthians 13 because love is a big thing. And I'm reading out the last part of this verse. Love never gives up. Love cares more for others than for self. Love doesn't want what it doesn't have. Love doesn't strut. Love doesn't have a swelled head. Doesn't force itself on others. It isn't always me first. It doesn't fly off the handle. I've got to learn that one. It doesn't keep score of other sins. I've got to learn that one too. And it doesn't revel when others grovel. It takes pleasure in flowering of the truth. It puts up with anything. It puts up with anything. Like that's what love is. That's what we're supposed to do. My goodness. There's a lot of things that I don't put up with. Trust God always. Always looks, sorry, trust God always looks for the best, never looks back and keeps going to the end. And I want to point out the last part of that verse, a sound mind. Because I have a sense that some of our minds have been under attack. And in this context, it means a solid, strong, reliable state of mind which is adequate to reason and rational. All these are states of being which takes effort and change, forgiveness. It's really easy to forgive someone that you're not mad with. It's really hard to forgive someone that you're angry with. When it comes down to it, when the actual rubber hits the road, forgiveness is one of those things it's actually really hard to do. And it's really hard to take it out of your heart. It's all about learning and most of all it's all about having a personal relationship with God. And no one can do that except you. It's your actual responsibility. And my third point today is that there's always a battle. There is always a battle. Ephesians 6.12 says, For our struggle is not against flesh and blood, but against the rulers, against the authorities, against the powers of this dark world, against the spiritual forces of evil in the heavenly world. God is strong and he wants you strong, so take everything the Master has set out for you, well-made weapons of the best materials, the Bible, and put them to use so you'll be able to stand up to everything the devil throws your way. This is no afternoon athletic contest that we'll walk away from and forget about in a couple of hours. This says this in the Bible, this is for keeps, a life or death fight to the finish against the devil and his angels. That is powerful stuff. Edmund Burke said, and John F. Kennedy said it in a speech in 1961, the only thing necessary for the triumph of evil is for good men to do nothing. And for far too long the church has done nothing. And we are meant to be the answer. We can no longer afford to just fit God into our lives around all the other plans we have, like he's a formula for when things get tough, or a little Sunday activity, or a time. it's a time and a place in our lives where God says, get uncomfortable. 
Craig Rochelle said, you can have control or you can have growth. This really hit me hard. You can have control or you can have growth, but you can't have both. The best way to lose control is to try to control everything. And growth and comfort never coexist. It's time to let go. And I want to point out that the enemy cannot take your gift off you. He has no authority to do that. But he can whisper that your gift isn't worth it, that you have nothing, that you've got nothing to give, that you've not even got any ability. He can whisper those things. He can tell you you're not good enough. He can say, well, look what you've got. Like, it's nothing. You know, what are you going to do with that? Nothing. That it's not worth growing, that it's not worth investing in. Because if he can get you to believe that, that there's no worth in it, then he doesn't have to take it. You've given it up yourself. You've dug a hole and you've buried it. You don't have to feel powerful to be powerful. You just have to know your authority. It's your God-given authority. Which brings us to the last servant. And I never understood, honestly, we got told this in kids' church and I never understood why the master got upset. I actually just totally missed the point. He didn't spend the money, he didn't lose it, he just buried it. In fact, the servant says, like he thought he'd actually done a good job of keeping it safe. He was really proud of it. And he did work, he did dig a hole. (laughs) And I just didn't understand. I was just at a loss at why the master was so upset. But I believe it's because the parable is reflective of the type of relationship that the third servant has with his master. He speaks about what the master's standards are, what he likes, what he dislikes. It's reflective of religiousness, not relationship. The master's upset with his servant's heart motivation. It's through fear to bury the money. And you know what? This is just a book if we don't have the Holy Spirit, if we don't have relationship with God. It's just religion. It's just a book. It's nothing. It's got no power in it unless you believe in the other part that there's a Holy Spirit and there's a God that can change everything. It's knowing the law but missing the relationship. And as I wrap it up today, this is the hardest one. For some of you, the battle isn't actually the enemy. It is your will. It's our will. It's supposed to be his will, not our will. We live in a culture where we're conditioned to believe that our will is the most important thing. We love control and God wants us to surrender our will and swap it for his will. And you think that's not an issue? Think again. Your heart can't lie. You can tell people what you want to tell them, but God sees your heart. And your, your mind is controlled by your will and God sees your heart. You can't hide it. Romans 12.2 says from the message, don't become so well adjusted to your culture that you fit into it without even thinking. Instead, fix your attention on God. You'll be changed from the inside out. Readily recognise what he wants from you and quickly respond to it. Unlike the culture around you, always dragging you down to its level of immaturity, God brings out the best of you and develops well-formed maturity in you. This is about submitting your will and following what God is placing favour on in your life and not trying to determine what ability we have that we want God to place favour upon. So many times I know you get abilities, like we're not just given one ability and we go, oh God, you can put your favour on this one, thanks. That's the one I like doing. I don't really like this one. It's, you know, I've got the ability to do it, but I don't like doing it. 
And often it's, that's the one that God wants you to do because he needs you to grow. The world's meant to be getting out their inspiration from us, not the other way around. The church is meant to be the head and we're equipped for this. Every gift is being given in this room. Sometimes churches seem to be the only organisation trying to get back to something instead of moving forward. What we had before. And I really believe that God is changing that. Eric Hoffer said, In times of change, the learners inherit the earth, while the learned find themselves beautifully prepared, but for a world that doesn't exist. We have to keep learning. We can do practically so he can do supernaturally. And uh, I just want to end with this story that I was driving in my car and um, you, know the, I, you know the high beams, we've got high beams and low beams with the lights. So I figure there's like three types of people in the world and the first type of people are those that whack on those high beams and they just drive until they're home and they don't even care about anything and they can see clearly and they know the way to go and they're not thinking about anything that is high beams, right? And then you get the number two who's the responsible driver. So at the slightest, you know, indication that there might be a car coming uh, and there's a light coming towards them, they'll remember to flick those things down and then when the car goes past, they'll put them up and they can see clearly again. And then there's three, and that's me. And it's been proven time and time again that I cannot be given such responsibility because there's always too much going on inside the car that I forget to have them, that I've got them on high beam and then I blind the drivers approaching and then I forget and then I turn it down and then I can't see and then I forget to put them up again and I have deemed myself too irresponsible to use them, (laughs) which defeats the purpose of having them, okay? Which is stupid, but it's actually true. And I was laughing about this the other day in the car, just to myself, and I felt like God say, Emily, this is a reflection of you and your gifting. There are those that have taken their gift and they shine it brightly and there is no doubt where they stand and they're able to see further and clearer and they can see the things coming and they can dodge out of the way and they can slow down when they need to or they can speed up. They see clearly in the dark. And then there's those that dim their lights out of respect for culture and sometimes they lose sight of where it's taking them. And the road ahead isn't always so bright and many times they haven't seen or been prepared for what's coming. And then there's you, Emily. You found your light. You used it for a while. And then you got pushback. And you allowed fear of failure to overcome you. And you dimmed your light. And you decided to bury that gift and play it safe. And I just feel that this is a call to arms. Getting emotional. This is a call to dig up the gifts because God is waiting to add and grow and entrust to you more than you could ever dream. And we are the answer because God brings the gift. And I'm just going to pray. Lord God, I thank you that you are all powerful, that you have given us everything we need in this room. And there are gifts that have been picked up and put down and there are gifts that have been buried and not even ever picked up and there have been abilities that have not even been known. And I pray, God, that you would reveal today what you need to reveal in people's hearts, God, that you would take us to that next level, that you would build that foundation. God, we're desperate for change. We're desperate to follow you. We just place our will at your feet, God. 
And we pray, God, that you would show us how to just put on those high beams and so we can drive clearly all the way home, God. Thank you, Jesus. Amen.